0: the twenty-third book of orlando furioso this librivox recording is in the public domain recording by thomas copeland orlando furioso by ludovico ariosto translated by sir john harrington book twenty three the argument astolfo on the griffith horse doth mount to Zerbin. pinabello's death is laid orlando saveth him fierce Rodomont, frontino takes from bradamante's maid the paladin and Mandricard confront they part by chance and each from other strayed orlando falls stark mad with sorrow taken to hear his mistress hath him quite forsaken let every one do all the good they can for seldom cometh harm of doing well though just reward it wanteth now and then yet shame and evil death it doth expel but he that mischieveth another man doth seldom carry it to heaven or hell. Men say it, and we see it come to pass. Good turns in sand, shrewd turns are writ in brass. Sealed mountains meet, but men may often meet, the proverb saith. And whoso sets a trap may catch himself, as here you plainly see it in him that thought this dame in woes to trap, but hurts himself, a punishment most meet, God still defending her from all mishap. God her preserved, and will all those preserve as shun all vice, and him sincerely serve. It little did avail to Pinabel to be amid his kinfolk and his friends, and near the castle where his sire did dwell, where every one him honours and attends. Lo, here the end of him doth plainly tell how wicked lives have often wretched ends. But to proceed, I said, when he was slain, the noble damsel sought her way again which when she saw she could by no means know but more and more uncertainly did rove and sees the sun was now declining low she means that night to rest her in a grove and sleep sometime, or else some time i trow to look on mars on saturn or on jove but chiefly whether she awakes or sleeps rogero's image in her heart she keeps oft times she fretting to herself would say "Lo." hate with me far more prevailed hath than love could do, that now have lost my way, and left my comfort to avenge my wrath, nor had my wit so much forecast or stay to take some mark of my foretrodden path. I did, quoth she, as fools are one to do, take one shrewd turn to do another too. These words, and many like to these, she spake to pass the rest of that her restless night, till stars gan vanish, and the dawning break, and all the easter parts were full of light. Then, at adventure, she her way doth take, not knowing yet if it were wrong or right, and, having travelled in that way some miles, by hap Astolfo came that way the whiles. He rides the winged horse, but in his hand he leads the famous Rabican behind, and, even as then, in great doubt he did stand where to bestow a beast of so good kind she knowing him went to him out of hand with words with shows and with embracements kind and joyed to find this kinsman of her own and unto him herself she maketh known astolfo much rejoiced at this their meeting then one the other asked of their welfare and after their long talk and friendly greeting in which each showed of other loving care sith i quoth he intend hence to be fleeting to see what sights in foreign countries are this horse of me i shall request you take till i return and keep him for my sake also he said this corslet and this spear with you i leave till i return again this spear the son of galafron did bear whom as you heard before farah had slain with head whereof if any touch it were straightways to fall to ground they must be fain all these he left behind to make him light before that he begins to take his flight thus leave once ta'en away the duke doth soar first low and after still more high and high till at the length she could him see no more so doth the pilot first with watchful eye guide out his vessel softly by the shore while he doth think the rocks and shallows nigh but after when he dreads no more such doubts he sails apace and claps on all his clouts now when the duke was from the damsel gone what she might do, she muse it in her mind, and carefully she meditates thereon how she may take the journey first assigned, and not neglect her kinsman's charge. Anon a wandering peasant twas her hap to find. To him she doth betake the horses spare, though of the ways they both unskillful are. Her meaning was to go to Vallumbrose, as her first love and she concluded had, whom there to find she certain doth suppose, whom there to find she would have been full glad. But lo, a quite contrary course she goes, And sees a sight that made her then full sad, Her father's house, Montalbany, she spied, In which as then her mother did abide. If she shall forward go, approaching nigher, She shall be stayed there. She stands in doubt, if she stands still, Or backward to retire. She fears to meet acquaintance thereabout. If she be stayed, she feels such burning fire of longing love as cannot be put out. She chanced amid these thoughts, and many other, to meet Alardo there, her younger brother. This meeting in her mind bred much vexation, when, as she found her brother, her had spied, and made her alter her determination, which, that she might from him the better hide, she used some common words of salutation, and to Montalban with him she doth ride, whereas her mother, full of care and fear, had wished and waited for her coming there. But all those kind embracings and those kisses she had of parent, kinsman, kind, and friends, she deems of little value to those blisses that she had lost, and thought them small amends. But, sith to meet Rogero now she misses, to send a messenger she now intends, some such to whom she may commit the charge to tell her mind unto her love at large, and, if need were, to pray him in her name, as he had promised her to be baptised, and to excuse that thither she not came as they together had before devised. Besides, his horse Frontino by the same she sent, a horse of goodness not despised, no horse in France or Spain esteemed more, Bayardo's soul except, and Briliador. Rogero if you call it well to mind what time the griffith horse he first did take that soared away as swift as western wind and forced him quickly europe to forsake that gallant beast frontino left behind whom bradamant then for his master's sake took home and with much care and costly feeding made him by this time fair and fat exceeding and straight her maids and women servants all that skilful were to sew to weave to knit she doth to work in haste together call and she herself among them all doth sit to work a net of art and cost not small for his caparison to make it fit when this was done and finished straightway after she calls her nurse calytrophaea's daughter this maid knew best her mind of all the rest and oft had heard her praising to the skies rogero's comely shape and valiant breast his sugared speech sweet face and lovely eyes this maid with secrets all she trusted best on this maid's secrecy she much relies hippolka named was this trusty maid her then she called and thus to her she said hippolka mine you know of all my crew of women servants i esteem you most as one that hath been secret wise and true a praise of which we women seldom can boast my meaning is to make a choice of you to have you to rogero ride in post and unto him mine absence to excuse and show that i could neither will nor choose yourself quoth she may ride a little nag and in your hand lead by frontino spare and if perhaps some fool will be so brag as that to take the horse from you he dare to make him that he shall no farther wag but tell who owes the horse, and do not care; she thought Rogero was of so great fame that every one would quake to hear his name. Thus, when Ipolka was instructed well of all that to her errand did belong, and that no more remained behind to tell, she took the horse, and there she stayed not long in ten miles' space, so lucky it befell, none offer made to do her any wrong no traveller no knight nor peasant stayed her nor once with word or deed so much as frayed her about the time the sun to south did mount she met poor soul a knight unto her cost that turk most terrible called rhodamount that followed armed on foot a page in post who, when he saw an horse of such account, he God blasphemed and all the heavenly host that such a gallant, serviceable beast in some man's hand he had not found at least. He had before professed by solemn vow, when wanting horse he traveled on his feet, that wert from knight or knave that drives a plough to take perforce the next horse he should meet. Yet though he liked the horse, to take this now and rob a maid thereof he thought unmeet. He sees her lead a horse, and he doth lack, and oft he wished his master on his back. I would he were, quoth she, he soon would make you change your mind, and glad to get you hence, and you should find how much you do mistake your strength and force to offer him offence. And who, quoth he, is this of whom you crake? Rogero, she replies. Forsooth? and since so great a champion is the horse's owner, I may, said he, then take him with mine honour. To take his horse, quoth he, I now intend, for of a horse, you see, I stand in need, and if I find it true, as you pretend, that he so stout a champion is indeed, I, Rodamount, this action will defend. Now, on my present journey, I proceed, and where I go, my virtues shine so bright, he soon may find me if he list to fight this said with cruel threats and part with force he gat his will full sore against her will and straight he mounteth up upon that horse she cursing followed him and banning still but of those curses he doth little force then winners boast when leasers speak their fill best pleased was he when as she wished him worst and still the fox fares best when he is cursed BUT WHAT SHE SAITH HE LITTLE DOTH REGARD, SUPPOSE SHE CURSED, OR PRAYED, OR RAILED, OR CRIED. HE SEEKS OUT DORALIS, AND MANDRACARD, AND HAD THE LITTLE DWARF TO BE HIS GUIDE. NO LITTLE haste HE MAKETH THITHERWARD, BUT HERE a WHILE MINE AUTHOR STEPS ASIDE, AND TO THAT PLACE OF PURPOSE MAKES DIGRESSION WHERE PINABEL WAS SHRIVEN WITHOUT CONFESSION. The noble dame no sooner left the place where late this caitive by her hand was slain, but Zerbin there arrived in little space, with old Gabrina, who, perceiving plain one murdered, straight he followed the trace, lest murder unrevenged should remain. He minds, if fortune be so much his furtherer, to be revenged sharply on the murderer. Gabrina to the quarry straight approacheth looks all about searching the course and prying as one that still on every gain encroacheth to win both by the living and the dying in purses and in pockets all she poacheth of him that murdered on the ground was lying as having this conjoined to other evils in coveties to pass the very devils she would have had his coat and armour fain save that she knew not how them to have hidden but. From great part of that desired gain, by want of leisure she was then forbidden. Howbeit, she did convey away his chain, and ere Zerbino back again was written, she put it safely where it was not seen, her upper gown and petticoat between. And sore it grieved her to leave the rest. But now Zerbino was returned back, and for the time drew nigh of taking rest, and night came down to spread his mantle black, to seek some lodging out they thought it best of which in that wild country was great lack they leave the valley and they came that night unto a castle height. they thither went and long they had not stayed but in came people in great exclamation with woeful news that many hearts dismayed and filled their mouths and eyes with lamentation how Pinabel was murdered and betrayed and lost his life and worldly habitation and straight they brought the course with light of torches, and led the same through all the courts and porches. Great were the plaints, the sorrow, and the grief by kindred made by tenants and his friends, but by his father, old Anselmus' chief, who, though revenge be but a small amends, and his son's life was now past all relief, by search to find the murderer he intends, Zerbino hereof makes himself a stranger, as well to shun suspicion as danger. Now, when the funerals in stately sort ordained were with pomp and superstition, to which great store of people did resort, and all that would had frank and free permission, straight with Oyez a crier doth report, thereto assigned by that earl's commission, that whoso could the murderer be ray, should have a thousand ducats for his pay." This news from mouth to mouth, from ear to ear, as news are wont to do, did fly so fast that old Gabrina, being present there among the rest, heard of it at the last, who, either for the hatred she did bear to good Zerbino for some matters past, or else for gain of that so great reward, straight to destroy Zerbino she prepared, and that she might more surely him entrap with thurl himself to speak she doth request and probably she tells how this mishap was by zerbino wrought his new-come guest and straight she pulled the chain out of her lap which soul might serve to verify the rest that aged sire that all the tale believed was sore enraged herewith not only grieved and lifting up his hands unto the skies with age now feeble feeble now with woe with fainting voice he spake and watery eyes my son thou shalt not unrevenged go and while in bed secures Urbino lies, not thinking he had been betrayed so, with armed men his lodging was beset, he naked tain as is a bird in net. With as great cruelty as could be shown, his princely arms were pinioned fast behind him, and to a dungeon deep he straight was thrown, and that vile place to bide in was assigned him until the sentence of his death were known. In fine, Anselmus, so did passion blind him, her likely tale his wrath so rashly leading, condemned him and never heard him pleading. Thus was this worthy prince without all cause condemned to die, such is the woeful being where hests of lawless lords must stand for laws, though from all laws and reason disagreeing now near and near his execution draws and gazing people greedy still of seeing in clusters march and follow all confused on horse on foot as at such time is used but lo how god that ever doth defend those innocents that put in him their trust a help unlooked for did thither send and freed him from this doom of death unjust orlando did even then the hill ascend orlando is the man that save him must and at that time there did with him remain the daughter of Gallego, king of spain this was that isabel whom he of late recovered from the outlaws in the cave and having brought her out of that ill state yet still he promised care of her to have and whatsoever danger or debate to him befell yet her he still did save orlando all that great assembly saw that did the knight to execution draw he thither went and asked of him the cause why he was drawn unto a death so cruel forsooth zerbino said against all laws i am condemned if you the matter knew well anselmus rage that will admit no pause unto this flame doth kindle all the fuel believing falsely that i slew his son whereas by me god knows it was not done thus zurban said and said it in such sort as made orlando vow him to relieve for very apt he was each ill report of any of maganza to believe EACH HOUSE STILL THOUGHT TO CUT THE OTHER SHORT, EACH HOUSE STILL SOUGHT THE OTHER HOW TO GRIEVE, EACH HOUSE LONG TIME HAD TANE A PRIDE AND PLEASURE TO WORK THE TOTHER DANGER AND DISPLEASURE. UNLOOSE THE NIGHT, YE caitives! STRAIGHT HE CRIED, ELSE LOOK FOR DEATH TO BE YOUR DUE REWARD. WHAT MAN IS THIS, QUOTH ONE, THAT GAPES SO WIDE, AND SPEAKS SO FOOLISHLY WITHOUT REGARD? were he of steel of strength and temper tried and we of straw his suit might hap be hard this said he taketh up a mighty lance and runs against the paladin of france orlando ran at him with couched spear and though his armour were both good and sure as namely that zerbino erst did wear yet was the stroke too grievous to endure for though the beaver did it stiffly bear Yet did the blow a greater hurt procure, for on the cheek it gave him such a check that though it pierced not, it brake his neck. Nor at that course did all his fury cease. Six other of that spear the force then felt. Then with his sword among the thickest press, such store of thrusts and deadly blows he dealt that many in the place did straight decease and even as snow against the sun doth melt so melted they and fainted in his sight that in an hour he put them all to flight when they were fled he set serbino free who would have kissed the ground whereon he trod and done him reverence humbly on his knee but that the earl such courtesy him forbod but yet he thanked him in the highest degree as one he honoured most excepting god then did he put his armor on again, which late was worn by him that there was slain. Now, when Zurbino there had little stayed, preparing with Orlando to go hence, behold, fair Isabel, that princely maid, that all the while had stayed a little thence, and sees no farther cause to be afraid, came near, and brought great joy and great offense, by divers passions bred of one desire, some cold as ice, and some as hot as fire, for where before Zerbino thought her drowned, now certain he rejoiced very much to see her in his presence safe and sound, and that her misadventure was not such. But weighing in whose hand he had her found, a jealous fear forthwith his heart doth touch, and inwardly a greater anguish bred, than late it had to hear that she was dead." to see her in the hands of such a knight it greatly did him anger and displease from whom to offer her to take by might it were no honesty nor haply ease but for orlando's sake he ought of right all passions both of love and wrath appease to whom in thankfulness it were but meet to lay his hands under orlando's feet Wherefore he makes no words, but on he goeth in silent sort, till coming to a well, to drink they lighted, being thirsty both, and each his drought with water doth expel. But when the damsel saw, and knew for troth, that was Zurbino whom she loved so well, for when to drink his beaver he untied, straight she her love had through his beaver spied. With open arms she runs him to embrace and hangs about his neck a pleasant yoke. And speechless she remained a pretty space. And with her crystal tears, before she spoke, surprised with joy she all bedewed his face. And long it was ere into speech she broke, by which the noble earl did plainly see that this could no man but Sir Bino be. Now when she had again her vital sprites, and that she able was her mind to show, first she Orlando's great desarts recites that rescued her from place of shame and woe, commending him above all other knights that undefiled had preserved her so, and prayed her dear when she had made recital of his good deeds, to make him some requital. Great thanks were given, and proffers great there were of recompense and service on each side but lo a hap that made them speech forbear for why an armed knight they had espied twas mandricardo that arrived there who as you heard these many days did ride to seek this earl till meeting by the way fair Doralis, a while it made him stay you heard how mandricard sought out the track moved thereunto by envy and disdain of this fierce knight apparelled all in black by whom the king of Tremazen was slain and those Noricians all so put to rack as few of them unwounded did remain and now he found him as it came to pass yet knew he not that this orlando was but marking well the signs and tokens to those he heard of such as thence were fled you are, quoth he, the self same man I seek, by whom so many of my friends are dead. I have, he said, travelled above a week to find you out, and now at last am sped. You are the man that I have sought, I guess, and sure your manly look doth show no less. Sir, quoth Orlando, though I want your name, a noble knight you are, it may be guessed sure a heart so thirsting after fame is seldom bred in base unnoble breast but if to see me only now you came i straight herein will grant you your request and that you may behold me to your fill i will put off mine armor if you will but when you well have viewed me all about if yet you have a farther mind to try which of us two can prove himself most stout and first in field can make the t'other fly "'attempt it when you list, and make no doubt, "'but hereunto right soon agree shall I. "'That,' quoth the pagan, "'is my mind indeed.' "'And thus to fight together they agreed. "'But when Orlando viewed the pagan king, "'and saw no poleaxe at his saddle-bow, "'no sword by side, no bow, nor dart, nor sling, "'but even a spear, he needs of him would know, "'when that were burst, unto what other thing "'he then would trust to give or bear a blow.' hush quoth the pagan prince you need not fear but i will match you only with the spear i have quoth he an oath most solemn sworn since first the noble hector's arms i wan that by my side should never sword be worn nor other iron weapon till i can get durindana by orlando born, though how he gat it well i cannot scan but since he gat it Great reports do fly, that noble deeds of arms he doth thereby. No less, quoth he, I fain on him would wreak my father's death, whom falsely he betrayed, for well I wot my sire was not so weak with any christen to be overlaid. At this Orlando could not choose but speak. It is a lie, quoth he, that thou hast said, I am Orlando, and I will not bear it. This sword is Durandan. Win it and wear it. And though this sword is justly wholly mine, yet for this time I frankly do agree, a while it shall be neither mine nor thine, and if in combat you can vanquish me, then take not and thereat I shall not repine. This said, he hanged the sword upon a tree, indifferently between them both to stand, until the strife by combat might be scanned." Now one at the other ran with couched spear, and on the headpiece each the other strake. The staves, in sundry pieces, rend and tear, but by the blows the men small hurt do take. And now the truncheons only left them were, and at four blows the truncheons likewise break. Thus, when they saw all other weapons missed, at last they were enforced to fight with fist. So have I seen two clowns fall at debate about some water-course or mark of land, and either clap the t'other on the pate with crabtree staff, or with his crabbed hand. Such of this conflict was the present state, and each of them doth to his tackle stand, and being tired with giving fruitless stripes, at last they flatly fell to handigripes. The pagan, part by slight and part by force, thought to have done as Hercules in time past, to fierce Antius did, and in force to yield himself, or leave his horse at last. Orlando, that could surely sit his horse, with all his strength bestrides the saddle fast. Yet did the pagan heave him with such strength, that all his gurses broken were at length. Down came the earl, yet kept his saddle still. Nor what had happened was he well aware, but as he fell, intending by his will unto the pagan king to work some care, he meant, but his attempt succeeded ill, to overthrow the horse the pagan bare. But missing hold, the horse unhurt remains, yet off he pulled his headstall and his reins. The horse that had at liberty his head runs over ditch and valley, hedge and wood, as partly fear and partly courage led, for nothing was that his mad course withstood but Mandricard still beats him on his head, and, even as if his speech had understood, he threatens him, except he stay, to beat him, and with fair speech some time he doth entreat him. But all was one. Three mile outright he rode, ere he could make the harebrained horse to stay, or cause him once to make a small abode. But more and more he galloped still away. At last, with haste, the horse and eke the load fell down into a ditch, and there they lay, both horse and man all toiled and rayed with dirt, yet neither horse nor man had any hurt. This wild dame Doralis, that saw her guide thus post away against his will amain, she thought it were not safe behind to bide, and therefore followed him, though with great pain, and seeing that he could no farther ride because his willful horse did want a rein, she prays him take her horse's rein and bit, for mine, quoth she, will go though wanting it much did the pagan praise her gentle offer yet did refuse it as a part too base to let her want and take her bridle of her he thought it were to him a great disgrace but lo good chance a better mean did proffer cabrina came unwares unto the place she that betrayed of late the scottish prince and heard of like of his delivery since and therefore, fearing punishment and blame, and clogged with guilty conscience, fled the light until by hap unware she thither came, and on this couple fortunate to light they could not choose but make great sport and game to see so strange and unagreeing sight as such a withered old ill-favoured hag to ride in purple on an ambling nag. he that of right or wrong did little pass means with her store his lack there to supply nor once demanded who or what she was, but takes away her bridle by and by. She screecheth out, and weeps, and cries, alas! Even ready fearing hurt, unhurt, to die. Hereafter shall I tell you what became on her. Now for a farewell do I wish a shame on her. This while Orlando had his gurses mended, and knew provided what before did lack, and mounting on his horse a while attended to see if so the pagan would come back. But seeing that he came not, he intended to follow him and find him by the track. But first, as one that well good manners knew, he bade Zerbino and his spouse adieu. Fain would Zerbino with this earl have gone, and take such part of every hap as he, but that the noble earl hereof would none, and said there could not more dishonour be than for a knight to shun to fight alone. Wherefore he would not thereunto agree." Thus Zerben loath doth from this earl depart, poor Isbel shedding tears for tender heart. But ere they went, this earl, Zerbino prayed, if first he happed on Mandricard to light, to tell him how long time he for him stayed, and meant to seek him out again to fight, now that his coming was so long delayed. He meant to Parisward to go that night to Charles's camp, and if he sought him there, he should assured be of him to hear. Thus much he prayed, and thence away he went to seek out Mandricard, but found him not. And for the day now more than half was spent, the sun and season waxing somewhat hot, a shady grove he found, and there he meant to take some ease. But found small ease, God wot, He thinks his thirst and heat a wild assuage, but found that set him in worse heat and rage. For, looking all about the grove, Behold, in sundry places, fair engraven he sees her name, whose love he more esteems than gold, by her own hand in barks of diverse trees. This was the place wherein before I told Medoro used to pay his surgeon's fees, where she, to boast of that that was her shame, used oft to write hers and Medoro's name, and then, with true love-knots and pretty poses, to show how she to him by love was knit, her inward thoughts by outward words discloses, in her much love to show her little wit. Orlando knew the hand, and yet supposes it was not she that had such posies writ, and to beguile himself, Tush, tush, quoth he, there may be more Angelicas than she. Yea, but I know too well that pretty hand. Oft hath she sent me letters of her writing then he bethinks how she might understand his name and love by that same new inditing, and how it might be done, long time he scanned, with this fond thought so fondly him delighting, thus with small hope, much fear, all malcontent, in these and such conceits the time he spent. And ay, eh, the more he seeks out of his thought to drive this fancy, still it doth increase, even as a bird that is with birdlime caught doth beat her wings and strives and doth not cease until she hath herself all overwrought and quite entangled in the slimy grease thus on went he till him the way did bring unto a shady cave and pleasant spring this was a place wherein above the rest this loving pair leaving their homely host spent time in sports that may not be expressed in the parching heat they tarried most and here Medor that thought himself most blessed wrote certain verses as in way of boast which in his language doubtless sounded pretty and thus i turn them to an english ditty ye pleasant plants green herbs and waters fair and cave with smell and grateful shadow mixed where sweet angelica daughter and heir of galafrone on whom in vain were fixed full many hearts with me did oft repair alone and naked lay mine arms betwixt i poor medor can yield but praise and thanks for these great pleasures found amid your banks and pray each lord whom cupid holds in pay each knight each dame and every one beside or gentle or mean sort that pass this way as fancy or his fortune shall him guide that to the plants, herbs, spring, and cave he say, Long may the sun and moon maintain your pride, and the fair crew of nymphs make such purveyance, as hither come no herds to your annoyance. It written was there in the Arabian tongue, which tongue Orlando perfect understood, as having learned it when he was but young, and oft the skill thereof had done him good, BUT AT THIS TIME IT HIM SO DEEPLY STUNG, IT HAD BEEN WELL THAT HE IT NEVER COULD, AND YET WE SEE TO KNOW MEN STILL ARE GLAD, AND YET WE SEE MUCH KNOWLEDGE MAKES MEN MAD. TWICE, THRICE, YEA, FIVE TIMES HE DOTH READ THE RHYME, AND THOUGH HE SAW AND KNEW THE MEANING PLAIN, YET THAT HIS LOVE WAS GUILTY OF SUCH CRIME HE WILL NOT LET IT SINK INTO HIS BRAIN. OFT HE PERUSED IT, AND EVERY TIME IT DOTH INCREASE HIS SHARP, TORMENTING PAIN. And ay, eh, the more he on the matter mused, the more his wits and senses were confused. Even then was he of wit well nigh bestraught, so quite he was given over unto grief. And sure, if we believe, as proof hath taught, this torture is of all the rest the chief, his sprite was dead, his courage quailed with thought, he doth despair and look for no relief, and sorrow did his senses so surprise that words his tongue and tears forsook his eyes. The raging pang remained still within, that would have burst out all at once too fast. Even so we see the water tarry in a bottle, little-mouthed and big in waste, that, though you topsy-turvy turn the brim, the liquor bides behind with too much haste, and with the striving, oft is in such taking as scant a man can get it out with shaking. At last he comes unto himself anew. And in his mind another way doth frame that that which there was written was not true, but writ of spite his lady to defame, or to that end that he the same might view, and so his heart with jealousy inflame. Well be to list, quoth he, I see this clearly. He hath her hand resembled passing nearly. With this small hope, with this poor little spark, he doth some deal revive his troubled sprite. And, for it now was late and waxed dark, he seeks some place where he may lie that night. At last he hears a noise of dogs that bark, he smells some smoke and sees some candlelight. He takes his inn with will to sleep, not eat, as filled with grief and with none other meat. But, lo, his hap was at that house to host where fair Angelica had lain before, and where her name on every door and post with true love knots was joined to medor that knot his name whom he detested most was in his eye and thought still evermore he dares not ask nor once the matter touch for knowing more of that he knows too much but vain it was himself so to beguile, For why his host, unasked by and by, That saw his guest sit there so sad the while, And thinks to put him from his dumps thereby, Beginneth plain without all fraud or guile, Without concealing truth or adding lie, To tell that tale to him without regard, Which divers had before with pleasure hard. As thus, how at Angelica's request He holp unto his house to bring Medor, Who then was sorely wounded in his breast, and she with surgery did heal his sore but while with her own hands the wound she dressed blind cupid wounded her as much or more that when her skill and herbs had cured her patient her cureless wound in love made her unpatient so that admit she were the greatest queen of fame and living in those easter parts yet so with fancy she was overseen to marry with a page of mean deserts thus love quoth he will have his godhead seen in famous queens and highest princes hearts this said to end the tale he showed the jewel that she had given him which orlando knew well this tale and chiefly this same last conclusion was even a hatchet to cut off all hope when love had after many a vain collusion now for his farewell lent him such a rope to hang himself and drown him in confusion yet fain he would deny his sorrow scope and though a while to show it he forbears it breaketh out at last in sighs and tears and as it were enforced he gives the rein to raging grief upon his bed alone his eyes do shed a very shower of rain with many a scalding sigh and bitter groan he slept as much as if he had then lain upon a bed of thorns and stuffed with stone and as he lay thereon and could not rest him, The bed itself gave matter to molest him. Ah, oh, wretch I am, thus to himself he said, Shall I once hope to take repose and rest me in that same house? Yea, even in that same bed where my ungrateful love so lewdly dressed me? Nay, let me first an hundred times be dead, First wolves devour and vultures shall digest me straight up he starts and on he puts his clothes and leaves the house so much the bed he loathes he leaves his host nor once doth take his leave he fared so ill he bids not them farewell he leaves the town his servants he doth leave he rides but where he rides he cannot tell and when alone himself he doth perceive to weep and wail nay even to howl and yell he doth not cease to give his grief a vent that inwardly so sordid him torment the day the night to him were both a leak. Abroad upon the cold, bare earth he lies. No sleep, no food he takes, nor none would seek. All sustenance he to himself denies. Thus he began and ended half the week. And he himself doth marvel whence his eyes are fed so long with such a spring of water, And to himself thus reasons on the matter. No, no, these be no tears that now I shed, these be no tears, nor can tears run so rife, but fire of frenzy draweth up to my head my vital humor that should keep my life. This stream will never cease till I be dead. Then welcome death and end my fatal strife. No comfort in this life my woe can minish, but thou who canst both life and sorrow finish. These are not sighs, for sighs some respite have, My gripes, my pangs, no respite to permit. The blindfold boy made me a seeing slave, When from my eyes my heart he first did hit. Now all inflamed I burn, I rage and rave, And in the midst of flame consume no wit. Love, sitting in my heart, a master cruel, Blows with his wings, feeds with his will the fuel. I am not I the man that erst I was? Orlando, he is buried and dead. His most ungrateful love, our foolish lass, hath killed Orlando and cut off his head. I am his ghost that up and down must pass in this tormenting hell forever led, to be a fearful sample and a just to all such fools as put in love their trust. Thus wandering still in ways that have no way, he hapt again, to light upon the cave where in remembrance of their pleasant play medoro did that epigram engrave to see the stones again his woes display and her ill name and his ill hap deprave did on the sudden all his sense enrage With hate, with fury, with revenge and rage. Straightways he draweth forth his fatal blade, And hews the stones, to heaven the shivers flee. Accursed was that fountain, cave, and shade, The arbour, and the flowers, and every tree. Orlando of all places havoc made, Where he those names together joined may see. Yea, to the spring he did perpetual hurt, By filling it with leaves, boughs, stones, and dirt and having done this foolish frantic feat he lays him down all weary on the ground distempered in his body with much heat in mind with pains that no tongue can expound three days he doth not sleep nor drink nor eat but lay with open eyes as in a sound the fourth with rage, and not with reason, waked, he rents his clothes, and runs about stark naked. His helmet here he flings, his polderns there, he casts away his curates and his shield. His sword he throws away he cares not where, he scatters all his armour in the field. No rag about his body he doth bear, as might from cold, or might from shame him shield. And save he left behind his fatal blade, no doubt he had therewith great havoc made but his surpassing force did so exceed all common men that neither sword nor bill nor any other weapon he did need mere strength sufficed him to do what he will he roots up trees as one would root a weed and even as birders laying nets with skill pair slender thorns away with easy strokes so he did play with ashes elms and oaks the herdmen and the shepherds that did hear the hideous noise and unacquainted sound with fear and wonder great approached near to see and know what was here of the ground. But now I must cut off this treatise here, lest this my book do grow beyond its bound. And if you take some pleasure in this text, I will go forward with it in the next. End of Book Twenty-Three.